Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Good morning, beautiful plaid people. Thanks for joining the fun today. Thank you for being here. And you're red and you're black. Love it. Um, the world, you know, it's pretty divided. So much that goes on today that just splits people apart. So I hate to begin with another controversial topic, but here it goes. Hallmark Christmas movies. Now, I'm not going to... We always protect one another here. It's a safe space. I'm not going to ask you to reveal your feelings on the matter. All right? Pro or con? Just You can hold that to yourself. I did uh, do a screenshot, and it was funny because I was trying to, like, look at all the different thumbnails that are out there. Maybe if we can get them on the screen. But it was funny because they kept dividing it. They were like, Hallmark rom-coms, Hallmark comedies, Hallmark Christmas dramas, Hallmark melodramas. And I was like, how are you dividing these up? And the same thumbnails are appearing in all of them. So basically, this is what's going on. The two different sides of the issue are pro and con. Negative is that every movie is the same, which is why they're falling in all the different categories. So... Basically, big city businesswoman, so focused on her career that she never dates and only has dated big city bad guys. And so she visits her small hometown on Christmas, runs into a guy who loves the simple life and runs the tree farm. Challenge is big city bulldozers are coming in to put in bad apartments. And only big city businesswoman knows the paperwork to stop this from happening. So how will she, what will she decide? How will she keep from falling head over heels by this tree farm guy that she keeps running into, right? So that is the, the negative is that they're all the same that you can just plug and play. In fact, I did see one person who said, of course, in the world of AI, they asked chat GPT, can you help me come up with a plot for a Hallmark style Christmas movie? And it spit this out. The summary was this, Christmas Carousel, a New York architect, Lizzie, discovers the value of tradition and love when she teams up with the local carousel restorer, Jack, to save a cherished holiday attraction in the small town of Willow Ridge. So computers came up with that. So that, that feels pretty right, right? Pretty accurate. And at some point when we get the screen going, I've saved a fun meme here in a minute. Let me know when it's working behind me. The positive opinions on this issue are, of course, everybody knows it's the same. That's why you watch it. You watch it because you want the comfort of sitting cozy by the fire with your sweet and savory snack, and you've got your cozy socks on, and you just want to know what's going to happen. You want the comfort and you want the joy of just relaxing. You don't have to think, and of course it's not realistic. I live in reality, I don't want realistic. The biggest thing maybe that speaks to us is the fact that we watch the things that maybe we'd like to escape reality from this, and then we can see peace on the TV screen. And that, as you know, has been our series this winter, this December, has been peace. And so, in the same way that we have been talking about 
peace within our spiritual relationship with God. We've talked about peace of mind as we consider whether, whether faith and religion is something that we can trust, whether Jesus is trustworthy. We've talked about peace of, of our emotions last week and how Jesus comes to provide peace for all parts of ourselves and we can lean in and be honest with him. And today we're going to talk about peace in our interpersonal relationships, whether that's people we work with, people, the neighbors that we live nearby, our friends and our family. Because for a lot of us, there's things that we keep us from feeling peace with other people. There's, so what we're going to look at, and um, we called this whole series Peace Be With You, but we had some brainstorming session. And we had tried to come up with fun, silly things, and every week I've tried to just kind of have a different peace theme in my mind that helps me, like, focus on the topic of the day. And one of Dylan's fun suggestions was, peace, we out of here. And that kind of made me think about relationships. Because what's the temptation when things get hard, when they're not peaceful? When people annoy you, you can ghost them. When you have conflict, you just don't show up to that next event. So what gives you the strength to stay, to stay when things get difficult, to show up to the relationships that matter. And then we're also going to talk about what encouragement we can find in one venue when the other, somebody else might be not peaceful. Who gives you that strength in your life? So those are the two topics we're going to look at today through the lens of Mary and Joseph. So we're going to be in Luke 1 and Matthew 1 today. And hey, no screen happening right now. Let's bust out those Bibles. We got pew Bibles. We have your devices that you can turn to. I don't have a page number, so if anybody gets to Luke 1 and a pew Bible, just shout it out for me. But we're going to be reading familiar stories probably to you. We're going to look at both Mary and Joseph and some, um, some eternal communication that they had, some, some divine communication um, in the beginning of their relationship. Luke 1, I'm going to begin in verse 26. Page what? 723? Amazing, thank you. If you grab a pew Bible, page 723. I'll be reading from the NIV right now. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. And pause when we talked about this a, a few weeks ago about how Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. Again, important that even his earthly stepdad is in the line of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Again, we have this prophecy that Jesus is fulfilling. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Pause here. Okay, with an arranged marriage pending, we already have the unknown. Picture Fiddler on the Roof. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, right? So we don't know if Mary and Joseph knew each other at all. 
Did they know each other in passing? Had they met yet? Did their parents pick this out? You know, where did they live in the village together? Or where did they find the right match from other locations and they hadn't met up yet? All of this is unknown. So we've already got that. And now we have this angel presenting another variable into the matter. So what is recorded is that Mary was greatly troubled. And she said, how can this be? I think that's a paraphrase for like panic screaming and maybe some unholy words at this moment because realistically, right, we're not trying to disrupt the nativity scene too badly, but just the reality of the fact that this young, not yet married woman is living in a culture where young and not yet married is not good to be pregnant. And so there's a lot going on here. And so Mary is already talking to a terrifying angel. We talked about how they might have looked last week. And, but Mary does say yes to this assignment, but it doesn't mean that she wasn't going through a bunch of thoughts in her mind. First, there's the matter of logistics that she asks about, which is, how can this be? Here's what the angel responded. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me as it is be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So I kind of visualize this as like spiritual in vitro fertilization. You know, we have this, this technology now that I feel like this gives me an, an understanding of how this could possibly be. But that's just one of the hows. And I'm sure that was still seemed baffling back in that day. But also, I imagine other unspoken how questions that Mary might have had. How are my family going to react? My friends, my parents. How is Joseph going to respond? How will he ever believe me? How in the world am I supposed to parent the Son of God? How will my life turn out? Mary must have had, we, we can imagine that she had a visual of what life might look like into adulthood. Siri just responded. Apparently something I said sounded very Siri-like. Sorry. Um, I've never had that happen. That's, like, that's fun. Let's take a breather. Can we go back to my opening image just because we're already paused? This was my favorite Hallmark movie meme is they took The Shining and said, what if it was a Hallmark rom-com? And the words up there says, he's obsessed with work. She's longing for love. And now they're snowed in together. So, sorry, I finally watched The Shining this past year, so feeling it. Okay. All of this going on. We have the laughs. We can imagine just how unhallmark-like any of this would have been for Mary. And yet she accepted this calling from God. And I just don't want us to overlook the fact that these are real people we're reading about with real fears and real emotions and real questions. And that even though we get the summary version, that she had to consider what if I am a single mom? I mean, Joseph at this point wasn't guaranteed to know or guaranteed to stay. Um, what if I am, you know, avoided by all my neighbors and gossiped about for the rest of my life, not just for nine months, but you're always labeled, right? Sometimes you can't escape labels. And so she's saying yes to a lot of things, and I don't want us to overlook that 
in this moment, but also to overlook that we believe that she was still very human and she had the choice to say yes or no and that we, we here at Echo, we don't, we don't lift her up as any higher than other human beings in our practices, but just to think that we're all given options to serve God daily and sometimes those look really difficult and sacrificial and sometimes those look easier than others. So that's what we think about Mary here. Now let's jump over to Joseph. And his story is told in the book of Matthew. And Matthew chapter 1, we get his side of the story. And we said before that Luke, when we were talking about Luke um, years back, that's where Mary's story is. And he was really communicating to a lot of people who lived in um, different backgrounds, Greek-facing backgrounds. Matthew was definitely a Jewish man who spoke to Jewish people, and that was his point of sharing this gospel. And so he was showing this man who was in the line of David and what his calling was to be a piece of the story of the ancestry of Jesus. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay, it was says found to be with child. So we don't really know how this was found to be. Did she get the opportunity to talk to Joseph? Or did, Joseph, did her parents, because this was an arranged marriage, did the two parents have to converse and say, uh-oh, here's what we found out? Or was it a rumor? Did, did hearsay go on? And so that this... This knowledge, did it come to Joseph through third person? We don't know. We don't know how this discovery was to be, but he was in disbelief, which makes sense. And so he made a plan of action. And no matter, we're, we're looking back in historical lenses, and Scripture tells us the decision he made was with honor, was to honor her. He's trying to avoid public disgrace. And maybe, maybe even hope the real dad would come along and step up. You know, like he's giving this space and he's doing so, you know, there was a culture of the day where you could just like loudly accuse in the public square if you were skeptical, skeptical of your betrothed. And so here we're told that he is trying to do the best thing. Then verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So we're not sure how much time passed. It could be a lot of days of mistrust in this relationship, a lot of days of wondering what to do, of, of just feeling heartbroken on both sides. There may some, be some very tense days for them, but what a relief that I see that, that God didn't just allow it to be like, that's the obstacle you have to overcome is you have to try to convince your spouse and you have to hope that it works out and hope that he believes you, but that God spoke directly to Joseph because I felt like they're probably going to have to face a lot externally. And we read about some of it but we can imagine even more of it. All the, 
all the barriers that were going to come, all the people that probably wouldn't believe them. So I feel like there's this grace shown to say, hey, internally in your relationship, you're going to start on the same page. You're going to keep trust within this marriage, and you're going to be able to be a team going out into the world together. So surely they would need to cling to one another and have peace within their relationship to withstand the things to come. Verse 22 says, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So just as Mary had a choice, Joseph had a choice here. And he was taking on some risk himself. Risk of community shame, where everyone would look at him as, well, you're not the real father. Or, you know, maybe he's, who knows, he's representing his whole family. And there might have been extended scandal. Did his family, does his side of the family ever really believe Mary's story? It was a big deal. Joseph had other pressures. We're told in other scriptures, we see the word carpenter, but it might be a better translator to say stonemason. Anyway, he worked and he built things for people. So he was hired out. This was his business. And can you imagine if people have the choice of who to ask to build? And what if he got a bad reputation and people didn't choose him as their contractor? and he's having to provide for a family. Like, there's all these extenuating lists of things that Joseph could have been thinking through his mind before saying yes. But that's what I want us to note, is that these were people who had free will, and God saying, this is the plan I have for you, and they stepped into the situation. So while we, we might hear peace on earth a lot this season, um, you know, was probably not very peaceful because a couple weeks ago we read the scripture where Mary and Joseph, sometime within birth to age two in Jesus' life, they were on the run from a king trying to kill Jesus. Um, later, we read that when Jesus was age 12, they lost him in Jerusalem, the busiest city in Israel. There was some things going on that we get to glimpse, and that's probably just a little bit of a smile for us, but also just to be like, hey, this was a human family, and they still had to deal with human relationships. So was their life peaceful as mother and dad to the Son of God? Not really. Things were always going on. But uh, thankfully, they, they did it together. They were on the same team, and certainly they probably had days where they thought, I don't feel up for this. So I think that I just, I can just imagine through the years that they could look at one another and be like, we said, we said yes, right? We're still doing this. We're not bailing. We're sticking together. We're sticking with Jesus. And it seems that Jesus brought a little bit more conflict than peace at the beginning. But I was also reminded that when Jesus grew into an adult, he plainly said that he didn't come to always bring peace. Maybe you've heard the scripture in Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, division. From now on, there will be five in one family, divided against each other. 
three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Goodness, there's just a lot going on here. When I said we're looking at Scripture realistically, it's because Jesus was very realistic. He's like, there's some very important relationships in people's lives, and they won't all agree of who I am. They won't all agree that I'm worth following. And he knows because he was human, and he knows humans. And he had people adoring him to his face, and he had people, like, mocking him to his face. So Jesus knew that even the people you care about deeply may not see eye to eye. And I believe that some of us in this room have those feelings. You've had those experiences where people you care about don't see eye to eye with you on your faith. And so Jesus came to say, I know it's not always going to feel peaceful, but that just because that reality of peace doesn't exist, I think he said this in order to say, keep going. Like, stick with me anyway. Just because it doesn't look like a happy Hallmark movie in this moment. It doesn't mean that you've made the wrong choice to follow Jesus. So I like that Jesus gave his followers and gave us a dose of reality so that we can be aware. And if we don't feel at peace that it's not something we've done wrong, if we're following him, that it's, that it's something we're navigating through together. So if Jesus didn't promise peace on earth necessarily. Um, How do we take, what do we take from today's scriptures? Okay, so let's look at two things. Peace part one is we're going to talk about how to stay. How do you stay? How do you not say, peace, I'm out of here. This relationship, this friendship, this this co-working situation is, is really bad. So how do you stay? We may honestly have times when conflict comes and what's the natural human reaction is to flee a lot of times. So We've had people leave us when things are unpeaceful, and so how do we be the one to stay? I had a conversation just this weekend with someone who said 11 months had been his longest relationship, and I said, I've been married for 25 years, and he's like, how? I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know, always know what to say in that moment. And then he remembered that I had just said I was a pastor, and he said, does your faith help? And I was like, oh, why did it take him to say that out loud? Yes, yes, that's a, that's a good answer, right? Yeah. Shared faith does help. And so what I see in Mary and Joseph, how do they stick together? It's like, well, they each had the common goal. They each said yes to something separately before they were in a relationship. They were each saying yes to worshiping God. They were each saying yes to saying, I'm going to live in a way that's going to require some sacrifice on my part. They had already had those shared common goals before they joined forces. And so similarly, when things are tricky, Sometimes we recall on the things that keep us in common. So friendships that you have in faith, such as friendships here at church. Maybe we don't always see eye to eye on everything, or maybe we butt heads in the moment, but go back to our common faith. Are we working toward the same goal? Are we working to serve Yahweh together? And that keeps us going. Knowing that you're striving for the same thing can help in relationships that matter most. They can give us the strength to try to communicate to compromise, to forgive and ask for forgiveness, to show up. Even if you stand there and stay and argue, don't run. Stay, listen, adapt, make up. 
feel like this is just a great reminder to say that friendships and relationships, that people who are important, let's, let's stick it out. Piece part two, how to endure. So as we've been talking today, I'm sure there's maybe some people that are coming to your mind that are not peaceful right now. And that may, people may have broken your heart this year. People that you care about and that you've kept putting yourself out there and it's still not working. And I've seen that. I've seen you show up and be the bigger person. And sometimes that's hard to continue to keep doing. And so I just encourage you to keep being that peacemaker as much as it's on you. Because if we're followers of Jesus, then we're asked to do that first to do our part to make peace. And we can't make everybody respond how we want them to. And so I just pray that God's spirit would show up and give you comfort and strength. And in those times, I trust that if one section of our lives, maybe it's at work, maybe it's a, a friendship, maybe it's an extended family member you know you're gonna see at Christmas, if that's rough, I just pray that you would also look around and be like, who else has God put in your life to give you strength when that is broken? So we said that Mary and Joseph probably had a lot of external brokenness and misunderstanding probably, but they had each other. And I see that as this, this beautiful thing, and I see that Jesus also provided that for his disciples. Because when Jesus was ready to leave earth, and he had this group of people who were committed to loving him, to telling other people about him. He didn't send them out individually, right? We saw him send people out in teams of two. And then he prayed for them in John chapter 17. Jesus said, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And just in this this friendship, this mission, this ministry team, Jesus knew that sometimes it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. And there's when you have negativity coming at you, or people being rude, or people not believing or mean or whatever, we need somebody. Jesus shows up through people. And sometimes it's easy to notice who's not here, but also notice who stayed. Who is in your life? Who is a gift that Jesus is showing up to you, giving you his peace through someone? Because I feel like he keeps providing. If your heart is broken about lack of peace, I hope that you see someone else showing up. Because in John 17, Jesus also prayed for us as well. This is why I believe this to be true. Jesus continued and prayed, My prayer is not just for them alone, his disciples at the time. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And if you trickle out down the years, the message passing on and on and on, I see that as Jesus praying into the future for all of us who believe in him. I pray that that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. That's such a message that feels like peace, right? Peace in a relationship, to be one as the Father and as Jesus are one. 
that that's Jesus' prayer for us. And he knows that it might not always look that way when we look into the world and don't see peace on earth. But he's praying that we have some people to stick together with, to be one. That he wants us, just as he wanted for those original disciples, to find shared faith with others, to not be alone, to find strength in hard times. And in that way, we can live in and enact Jesus' peace. It may not always be obvious, but it's worth searching for. Let's close in prayer and pray for the, that God would show up, that we would look around and notice the people that he's brought into our lives. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for giving us examples throughout your life, from your birth all the way up until your last days on earth, that you care about giving each other relationships. You care that we're not alone. You care that we have others to rely on and to live in faith as one so that we give you honor and glory so that others know about you just so that we have comfort on this earth. Thank you for giving us people. And in the times where we feel alone, open our eyes to the people you've brought our way. Maybe they're not the ones we expected to be here but they're the ones you gave us. Thank you for all the unexpected gifts in our lives, people we wouldn't expect to meet, especially coming together here as a church. We're siblings in Christ with some very different people that we may not have met otherwise. We thank you for giving us one another. Give us the courage to go and seek out others, to bring your peace into their lives because your spirit is in us. Thank you for calling us to be peacemakers and to show up. And thank you for giving us comfort when we don't feel that peace. We come before you today and we lift your name, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.